One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show, brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In our first show of 2008, no interest rate cut this month, but banks and building societies are already offering some surprisingly good deals for borrowers and for savers. Hedging against a falling dollar? It was a good idea last year, but how will your investments be affected by currencies in 2008? Investing in venture capital? Do the tax advantages make it worth the risk? And we have some good news and bad news on mobile phones. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleague from FT Money, Elaine Moore. Hello. And from Investors Chronicle, John McLeod. Hello. So let's start with the money news and uh, what the banks and building societies are offering to borrowers and savers despite this week's decision to keep interest rates the same. Elaine, you found some uh, really very good and quite odd deals given that rates haven't moved. Yes, exactly. This rhetoric that's going on at the moment with banks and building societies that's similar to retailers where they're talking about sales. We've got HSBC and NatWest have both been promoting themselves as having sales at the moment. One of the offers that HSBC has is a 25% refund on the interest that you pay for a personal loan, which sounds quite good. But when you look at it closely, as with all these things, it's not actually as good as it sounds. Uh, The rate is 8.3%, which is quite high compared to lots of other loan rates at the moment. And even with the discount, it still comes out as around the um, higher end of the rates available. But that, that is a classic January sale tactic, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Quote the very high think you're getting recommended a price. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like everyone, you know, spending all their money in the Harrod sale and buying things they don't actually need. Uh, the personal finance experts say that there are a lot more simple rates out there that don't involve any sort of calculations that you could do better with. I think there's a, there's a Sainsbury's one, Sainsbury's high value loan for 6.5%, which is quite clearly much better. Indeed. Um, and there seem to be quite a few incentives being offered to customers for signing up to you know, new accounts, new products, that sort of thing. There are. Person, the experts that I've been speaking to have said that this is all about uh, the number of customers switching their current accounts rising. And people used to be put off by the idea of this because they thought it would be a hassle, you might mess up your finances. And although a lot, a lot of people are still worried about that, it has become a lot easier. And there was a change in regulation that meant that banks had to um, make the whole transaction completely transparent 
So much more people are doing this. And you have offers. There's one at the moment that's very attention-grabbing. There's an advert on TV about it from First Direct where they will give you £100 to switch your current account to them. But they'll also give you another £100 if you decide you don't like it. So that's £200 for nothing. So you could open the account on Monday. Can you close it on Tuesday? You have to wait six months, obviously. Uh, so that's the catch. Just a catch, yeah. I think there are, in a way, they are relying on apathy, which lots of the current account providers do, on the fact that you'll just you'll open it, you won't bother again. But even if you open it, it's £100. £200 for just opening and closing an account isn't bad. Do, do they, will another bank then help you transfer your account away from First Direct? They have to. That's, that's the law now. So you, uh, it, it shouldn't make any kind of difference to your financial dealings. You should just be able to go into the bank, say you want to close your account, and that should be the end of it for you. So it is, it's quite good. There were some others around. There were some offers of uh, interest-free overdrafts, other things, all trying to attract current account customers in the same way. And there seem to be some incentives uh, being offered by mortgage lenders as well, uh, which can seem quite generous at first glance. There are. There's one from Chelsea Building Society. Again, this is this is on TV at the moment, um, offering you a percentage of your mortgage as a cash deal if you switch to their accounts. It has certain caveats that you have to have a certain amount. Your mortgage has to be above a certain amount, and I think you have to keep it with them for a certain amount of time as well. And I think some other lenders are, are offering some quite attractive low mortgage rates as well, you know, even though there hasn't been the expected quarter-point uh, cuts in, in the bank base rates. Uh, we were looking at our deal of the week in FT Money uh, the other week, and it, it was HSBC in its January sale um, offering a rate of 4.99, which I think is a, uh, a discount off the standard variable rate. But uh, Lloyd's TSB was like 4.88% discounted tracker, discounted off the, the bank base rate. Both of these two-year deals, but they're getting close to the sort of low rates that were available a few a couple years ago. Of years ago, exactly. Yeah. And especially as uh, lots of experts are saying that they believe the bank will drop rates another one or two times this year, which means that borrowers could end up seeing their rates come down, mortgage rates come down even further. Yeah, no, a discounted, a uh, low discounted tracker mortgage uh, well, does look like a very good idea. Well, Elaine, thanks very much for, for that. And um, Elaine actually picks out the best of these deals in FT Money, which is available with the weekend FT on the 12th of January. And you can also send in your questions on saving, borrowing or any other topic for that matter by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come in the programme, venture capital trusts. What sort of ventures do they back and should you take the risk this year? And we have some good news and bad news on old mobile phones. But first, hedging your investments against currency movements. In recent years, investors and fund managers have tried to hedge their exposure to dollar earnings and with good reason as the dollar has proved incredibly weak. But if it were sterling that depreciated this year, what could that mean for your investments? Well, to find out, Dan Thomas spoke to Andrew Milligan, who's head of global strategy at Standard Life Investments, and this is what Andrew had to say. Currency is always incredibly difficult to forecast because different factors drive them at different times. Sometimes it's valuation, sometimes it's current account and trade deficit worries. At the moment, sterling dollar and the euro are really being driven by interest rate expectations. Uh, people are pricing in rate cuts in the United States, in the UK, but not into Europe. And so currencies are moving accordingly. It's not the only factor because uh, risk is the other factor uh, which people are taking into account, which is uh, why the yen is uh, rising at the moment as, as people take risk trades off. 
But for the first half of this year, therefore, I think we should be in a position where people are pricing in uh, sterling weakness, uh, uh, dollar weakness and euro strength. I see. And so how will this affect um, the savers and, and investors' portfolios as they stand at the moment? I think there's two questions which people have to uh, answer at this moment in time, which is how important are a firm's overseas operations and how important are a firm's overseas sales? Because the two can be surprisingly different. Mm -hmm. There's a number of companies which have very big um, overseas uh, sales indeed. A number of the pharmaceutical companies, some retailers, some industrials. But often in those cases, they actually also have big overseas operations. Um, They're not really an exporter. It's just that they happen to have uh, a lot of assets in other countries as well. The pharmaceuticals are the classic example. They sell and produce uh, a lot in the United States. Therefore, movements in dollar sterling exchange rate don't really matter that much to them. Mm. There are some other companies, though, um, which are exporters or where the dollar is really important. If we think of a classic um, exporter like Renishaw, a name which some people might have heard of, it makes high-tech precision tools, basically manufactures in this country and sells in America and Asia. Therefore, clearly, a, a lower value of sterling against the dollar is going to be quite supportive for that company. Mm. And then there's uh, companies like British Airways, where it's going to be swings and roundabouts. The fact that sterling is low is, of course, makes British Airways more competitive uh, against U.S. carriers. But we've got to remember that actually one of its major problems is the cost of energy, the cost of fuel, mm. uh, and that's priced in dollars. So looking at any portfolio, actually, um, a fund manager is going to have to take on board swings and roundabouts. Some assets are going to do quite better. So exporters from the UK, the industrial sector, would generally perform better. But um, if you look simply at some of the sales figures for a number of UK companies, you'd probably get the wrong impression about how important sterling actually is at the mm. end of the day. And so, so uh, in, in terms of the, um, the people who, who might own US equities or, or US assets, how will it help their uh, holdings at the moment? By and large, currency um, should be quite helpful for someone buying uh, US assets at the moment, because if we are thinking of the US dollar appreciating over time, uh, then that is going to benefit someone buying US assets. This is one of the reasons, uh, actually, that people have been thinking that there could be quite a lot of merger and acquisition activity between the two countries as well. If it's a good time for people to go to New York uh, on holiday, it's also a good time for UK stocks to to be thinking about buying some of their US counterparts. Mm -hmm. So I think short term, um, uh, uh, the the, the movement in sterling dollar is going to be supportive of, of US assets. And generally, in current market conditions, difficult market conditions, uh, the U.S. equity market traditionally performs quite well. Uh, U.S. investors repatriate holdings from other markets and bring them back. People like earnings visibility. They like large big cap companies. And of course, America, that's what the Dow Jones index is. And people are expecting the Fed the Federal Reserve to be cutting interest rates further and think that the US will be getting out of the recession if it appears sooner than other countries and therefore will be buying those assets too. So US assets generally look like they've probably got a bit of a tailwind. They might still fall this year, but other markets could well fall more. It's a relative game, of course, and that's what a a fund manager or a strategist or an individual investor has to think about, the relative performance between different assets. Sure. And just, just, just finally, did, is there an argument here to, to reweigh a portfolio from UK assets to US assets or UK domestic earners to US earners? 
I think the time scale which an investor has to be thinking about is absolutely fundamental. I started talking earlier about how currencies are very difficult to forecast because the drivers change. In the next couple of months, the interest rate expectations and the repatriation of capital look to be a driver of sterling dollar. And that may well tie in with an investor's time frame. They're saying, actually, I think I'm only going to be investing over a three, six months time scale. And therefore, let's take some profits here and reallocate uh, elsewhere. Of course, for a longer term investor, the currency probably matters rather less. Mm. And investor may well say, I want to stay at home because I can start to pick up some good value within UK stocks that I think are terribly downbeat. Some of the financials, some of the retailers, um, some of the uh, industrials uh, in this country have suffered enormously this year, let alone over the last six months. So I think it very much depends upon the time scale of the investor. If they're thinking of in really uh, uh, trading, so to speak, over a three, six month time scale, currency will matter. If we're thinking of really investing for two to three years, then currency really should be put well down the pecking order because other matters like the fundamental earnings outlook, valuations, other key drivers like that are going to be much more important. That was Andrew Milligan of Standard Life Investments. And for more on currency hedging and currency trading, see this week's FT Money out on the 12th of January. Coming up, we have good news and bad news on mobile phones. Before that, though, venture capital trusts, or VCTs as they're known, John, we're now sort of squarely in the, the VCT in investing season and uh, funds are looking to attract uh, uh, investors. Uh, what are the risks and rewards looking like this time around? Well, the return profile on VCTs has changed. There used to be a 40% tax break, which required a minimum holding period of three years. That's now gone down to 30% income tax break for a five-year holding period. And what's more, the companies that you can invest in have changed as well. They've not changed, but the size has changed. It used to be a 15 million gross assets test, and now that's come down to 1 million. And there's also this year a 50 employees test. So these are much smaller companies that a, that a venture capital trust can get your money into. That's right. So it's, the tax break's gone down and the risk profile has increased. So I spoke to Richard Allen from IFA Allenbridge, and this is what he said. Yeah, we've had a couple of changes announced uh, for this current tax year. I mean, it might be worth just emphasising that, that the current uh, initial income tax break is 30%, and the minimum holding period, uh, same as last year, is now five years minimum. Changes announced this year um, in the budget last time are as a new uh, employee test. Qualifying companies must have no more than 50 employees at the time of investment. I think that's going to have a, a negative impact on, on particularly AIM VCTs going forward, in, in so much that it might impact on a potential deal flow. So I don't think we'll find too much in the way of new AIM fundraising offers in future years. The five-year minimum holding rule is entirely sensible, really. I mean, VCTs, um, you know, they're sophisticated products, high risk, illiquid, and certainly long-term. Managers have three years in which to invest the money in any event. We're seeing more and more limited life VCTs, whereby they'll have a defined lifespan and the managers will look to wind up the VCT as soon as possible after five years. And, and they're proving attractive for obvious reasons, you know, being that, that, that the investors perhaps want their money back at some point. The buyback policies that are in place, um, they'll, they'll be attractive to investors who wish to sell. And uh, an, a number of VCT managers have, have been operating buyback policies successfully for a number of years, buying back at discounts of perhaps around about 10%. However, these buyback policies, uh, there can be no guarantee that the managers will be able to buy back 
they are subject to liquidity, i.e. You know, cash available within the VCT. Uh, they're subject to board approval. Uh, and managers in any event can't buy back more than 14.99% uh, of share capital per annum anyway. So, you know, investors shouldn't treat the fact that a, a VCT has a buyback policy as a, as a guarantee for an exit because, you know, they are a liquid and, and, and there can be no guarantee. That was Richard Allen of Independent Financial Advisor, Allen Bridge. And John, the point that he makes about share buybacks there is quite an interesting one because that's going to have an effect on um, investors' ability to, to get out of venture capital trusts, surely, to, to exit their investments. I mean, buybacks have been the, probably the best way to get out of VCTs because there's not much demand for sec- shares in the secondary market. And we understand that one in VCT has already scrapped its buyback policy, which could cause you know, upset with investors who thought they've got that, that guaranteed, sort of semi-guaranteed exit. It's not guaranteed. If people all want to get to get the door to get the money back after they've had the five-year period, that could cause problems. Because the secondary market just you know, just really isn't there or isn't developed enough or isn't liquid enough. There are a few that have been successful VCTs that, that have traded close to premiums, but a lot of them otherwise trade in quite wide discounts. So that's certainly a, an additional risk factor. The, the other one that uh, that you mentioned a little bit earlier is the way in which the rules have changed on the types of companies that VCTs can get into. So we're now talking about really rather young, uh, small start-up businesses. I mean, if you're a generalist VCT and you can invest in unquoted companies, those that focus on development capital shouldn't have a problem because they're small companies anyway. Where there are larger companies, um, say management buyers, they can use special purpose vehicles or new companies to do kind of reverse cash shells. But that's going to be harder in the AIM market. I think the fact that there haven't been many many AIM offers this year suggests that brokers aren't going to be wanting to set up special cash shells for them for AIM launches. So that's going to reduce the the number of opportunities out there this time round. Uh, so you need to be really really very careful. I suppose people will look at the uh, at the tax relief that's available on investment, but they've really got to think about the risk factors. That's right. At least managers have been sensible and not sought to raise too much money for AIM VCTs. Because the trouble is, if they can't invest the funds, they could end up losing the tax breaks as well. And, uh, John, you've actually got an article on this on this very subject in the Investors Chronicle coming out on the 18th of January. Look out for that next week. And finally today, we have some good news and bad news on mobile phones. If you are one of the thousands, if not millions, of people who got a new mobile phone for Christmas, don't bin your old one, or certainly don't keep it in a drawer as a spare, because there's a range of websites that now pay cash of up to £150 for old handsets, which um, I found quite remarkable. So, certainly because my, my old handset is huge um, and seems to be based on a Fisher-Price toy. Well, it's not that remarkable when you think about how much phones actually cost to buy them new. If you get a contract uh, that doesn't involve you having a new phone and you try and buy one on one of the phone's websites, some of them are thousands of pounds. The new iPhone, for example, that was horrendously expensive. Of course, with the people queuing around the the block, even though it's it's really quite pricey. Exactly. So I suppose if you were going to send off one of those, if you're sending off an iPhone, then then you would expect to get £150 back. But if it's your average bog-standard phone, then... Yes, I can't imagine many iPhones... Um, Winging their way to Africa. ...being, being posted off. Yes, exactly. But I suppose that that's the additional good news about, those, about these deals is that these phones are being uh, reconditioned and repurposed for... Uh, I think in the case of the Enviro phone 
website service. It sends its phones to, to Africa and South America. So you're helping with third world development, and also the, the phones themselves would be in a, quite environmentally unfriendly if you just put them in landfills. So this this is a much better way of doing it. Oh yes, in fact, I, I was reading about this on the Enviraphone site. I think it's, it's also it's also the batteries, isn't it? It's they leak, don't they? Yes, it's the same cadmium. thing as uh, as the light bulbs, the energy efficient light bulb. There's some weird filaments or something that. I don't know really the technical yeah, terms, no, no, but they I, leak yeah, yeah, something exactly. awful into the land that never goes away, and yes. it's much better to keep using them. Yeah, the downside of technology, the, the more advanced things become, the more impossible it is to exactly. actually dispose of them. break them down, yeah. Yeah. I suppose the bad news, uh, the only bad news associated with this is the figure of £150 only applies to the super whizzy 3G multimedia handsets. Um, I believe it's near a sort of £10 or perhaps even less, if your phone isn't that highly specced. But even that is quite good. And it, I think also you're saying that they pay for the packaging, don't they? So you don't have to do anything. So it's it's not even that much harder than throwing it in the bin, and you are going to do something good with it. So yeah, exactly. that will attract lots of people. They do make it easy if you've got that old handset. I might do this. I might go and... We should all do this, go yes. and look through our drawers. Yes, exactly. Find, find these old phones and, uh, and do a good thing. And uh, if you'd like any more details of exactly how to go about this and the, the websites to visit to donate your old handset, um, have a look at our Deal of the Week in FT Money, which is out on the 12th of January. And that's all we've got time for in this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Elaine and John. Bye. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from our podcast producers, Blue Barracuda. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.